Today on the Tech Byte podcast, we discuss redefining networks and policy in today's hybrid world. That is a network that needs to be available anywhere, anytime, anyhow, in any way. Aruba is our sponsor, and we're joined by James Robertson. He is CTO advisor and technology strategist in the office of the CTO at Aruba. James, welcome to the podcast. And so what does hybrid mean from your perspective and and how should the C-suite in particular be thinking about it? Yeah, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure being with you today. I think you have to start by, let's kind of do a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, you go back a couple of years and we thought about hybrid in terms of networking, in terms of, you know, how am I going to handle my cloud versus my on-prem uh, and any kind of needs in between. And, you know, through the pandemic, we've seen some kind of tectonic shifts occurring, obviously, in order to support the needs of businesses. So today, hybrid to me really means how do we handle the issues of being able to to work anywhere um, you know, whether it be in the office, whether it be uh, at the home, whether it be between the office, in a way that gives you the most kind of robust environment possible. So you know that you're getting the experience that you need, regardless of where you are and uh, and how you're connecting. I think part of the issue is that we sort of looked at when the pandemic kicked off that we're going through this period of disruption and then things will settle back to normal, which was the way it always was where folks came into an office. And that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case even post-pandemic when it's safe to go back. There's going to be a mix. Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree. I think we're now starting to see that play out um, as we go through the, you know, the different variants and stages of this that, you know, the, the, what we thought would be just a mass return to the office um, is going to be staged accordingly and may never completely uh, 100% recover, right? We're seeing uh, organizations look at uh, their floor plans and determine what they really need in terms of, you know, captured office space versus uh, utilizing, mm. you know, the work from home environments that we've, uh, that we all kind of come to love over the last couple of years. So, so getting that balance right really, um, I think is critical now. And, you know, when you think about uh, where we started this journey, it was very much knee jerk, right? Because uh, all of a sudden, uh, everyone was forced to to go to their homes, and so IT organizations were, uh, you know, looking at uh, what they had in their current portfolio and going, okay, how do we really enable our home workers to be productive? Mm. And, and that took a little bit of effort and time to kind of kind of come around. So, organizations have lived on those strategies for this last year or so. And what I'm seeing now as I talk to a number of C-level IT executives is really a re-entrenching of those strategies to to kind of perfect them, to get them to the point where, you know, it is truly a long-term strategy and not just something that they they thought they would be handling for six to 12 months. I think it's actually very complex, this, in the sense that it's not like the whole market is going in one direction, right? Five years ago, we were all going down the path of IPSEC. Yep. And now all of a sudden it's, it could be SD-WAN, it could be uh, uh, an SSL VPN via a cloud provider, it could be SSL VPN to head office, and it could be SD-WAN, it could be, you know, we've got Aruba appliances that do home-based SD-WAN type technologies as well, do the Wi-Fi and then you have separate connections with some sort of SD-WAN type capabilities. And we've got, and I think that the challenge here is that even for companies that think they're either going fully remote or fully coming back to the office. That's actually not true. You can't accurately predict the future. So the real challenge I think here is that you need to have a network strategy that's actually flexible enough to change as the situation changes. Six months ago, it was, oh, we're all COVID, it's going to be a while and then we'll all be back in the office. Oh, hang on, now we've got Omicron 
we may never be back in the office. How do you, you know, if you have a strategy, it just blew up right there, you know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, any good technology leader is always trying to understand how to make sure that the services that they're providing uh, provide underlying agility and flexibility to the business, right? Mm. And, and so, um, you know, if, if this whole pandemic has taught us nothing, it's that those two heightened senses um, have to be part of the strategy, right? We can't just think about things in terms of kind of static deployments of devices and products. It now has to be, how do I deploy the right environment so that I can make sure that whatever way the business pivots next, and it could be uh, business model pivoting, or it could be a you know uh, directional change based on what we're seeing from COVID, um, whichever way they pivot, that the infrastructure at its heart can handle that, right? And it yeah. can do it with ease. So the question is then, how do we get there? Because you're talking about needing a network that's flexible or agile, whatever adjective you want to use. But the fact is, traditionally, networks have been a little bit brittle and not necessarily designed <clears throat> for a, an environment that's full of unknowns. Right. I, and I think it really takes a different kind of thinking about networks going forward, right? That instead of looking at it in terms of, you know, defining a topology, which we've been really good at, you know, historically, if you think about, um, you know, just you know, from the beginnings of networking, the modern era of networking, we've looked at building topologies and then we built better mousetraps, right? By changing those topologies to do different things. Mm -hmm. I think what it takes now um, is, is really a rethinking of that in terms of how do I drive the infrastructure from a point of view of a policy directive, right? So a point of view of me setting or the business setting the goals um, from a from a, a business intent standpoint, a policy driven approach, and then allowing the infrastructure, the underpinning infrastructure, to appropriately apply those policies. Right. So you know you get that flexibility because the infrastructure is not tied down uh, in terms of you know uh, ACLs or route maps or uh, you know other kind of complexity. It's it's basically reacting to the application of our policy on that network mm -hmm. and that policy being applied to a role on that network, whether it be the user role or a device role or some other you know constituent role that is defining the actions across that network. That's to me where we have to be going forward. Otherwise, you know, we're going to stay in this kind of rut of the topology constraining our ability to handle the needs of the business going forward. I think the important part about policy-based networking or policy-operated or intent-based networking is it signifies a shift by the vendor to focus, to move away from the speeds and feeds from the selling of something, the selling of a product and focus on an operational aspect. And I think that's the key transition here. And I wonder what you think about this is we're, we're now as much focused on the product, you know, Wi-Fi 6E and, you know, how many 100 gig ports we can get into a switch and, and you know, the, the Mac tables. But we're equally right. focused now for the first time really in 30 years of networking on the operational. How, like instead of using finger-defined networking and hoping that it works and then once it's working, <laughs> just don't touch it, we're now moving into an operational environment where we make configuration changes all the time. And yep. we have overlay networks and we have underlay networks and we have integrated networks. We have networks connect to other networks. So we have the Wi-Fi and the campus and then we have security. So we have NAC on them and then we have 
trusted NAC and we have dynamic NAC and then we have, you know, there's all this stuff going on and all this operational complexity has to be administered in some way. And I think ultimately this policy-based networking or intent-based networking and software operated networking is all a reflection of that. That's just my feeling. Do you agree no, with that? Yeah, I, I, I do actually. I think, you know, the business has to define, right, what the business is trying to accomplish. And if you think historically, you know, we've looked at the topology as being the, the definition of what the business can accomplish on top of that topology. And so I think that game is changing where organizations, in, in, including our own, are more focused around business outcomes, right, than, you know, just the, the speeds and feeds alone. The speeds and feeds are still important. Don't get me wrong, right? You, you know, you've got to keep pace with the ever-changing demands on an infrastructure. But if you can't do it from a point of view of getting a business outcome to, to exist and resonate on that infrastructure, then we're, we're failing the business that we're supporting with our infrastructure. So thinking about a policy-driven environment, that to me means I need some kind of context based around who the user is, what they're trying to access, what device they're on, what location they're on, and also where my posit policy repository is or where the policy repositories are and how they're enforced. How do you tie all that together then? Yeah, so you know, Aruba has always focused on the idea of, you know, very stringent kind of security controls, right? That's kind of from the beginning of, of Aruba uh, history, uh, when we were looking at wireless, it really was with the idea that, you know, Wi-Fi networks should be more secure than they were back then. And that's progressed forward. So when you think about within the Aruba portfolio, we've really focused on how do we define this policy uh, and, and that goes back to uh, Aruba ClearPass, which is our you know policy engine yeah. that uh, sits on top of everything and governs uh, all of these policies uh, across the edge, right? From edge to edge, or from data center to data center, or WAN across the WAN environment on an SD WAN infrastructure. You know, basically the policy engine defines uh, at the heart what the network is going to do with a particular connection. Um, and that that's really where you start. And, and, and using that policy engine, that ClearPass policy engine, uh, as the underpinning naturally gives you some advantages um, on what's going on on the infrastructure. Because if you if you think about, you know, zero trust for a second, right? And everyone talks about zero trust, but at the heart of zero trust, we have to assume everything is going to do us harm. And so if we're going to assume everything's going to do us harm, the best way to think about turning that the other way up is to not allow things on the infrastructure unless there's a policy that controls those actions on the infrastructure. So, so that's where ClearPass really comes from, an ability for the, the network administrator and in cooperation with the business to define the rules that govern how traffic flows across that network, right? How individuals operate on that network, user-based controls, uh, how devices on that network uh, are controlled or governed, and um, then allowing them to be placed in what I call swim lanes, right? We call it dynamic segmentation inside of Aruba, but basically to create virtual swim lanes uh, across the infrastructure from source to sink, from where they join the network to where they're going or leaving, um, that allows that traffic to maintain that uh, policy posture all the way through, right? And that's that's really the heart of what we've got inside of the Aruba infrastructure. 
I can see that on premises, uh, certainly. And, uh, you know, folks are probably very familiar with ClearPass, but I'm thinking in today's hybrid environment where if I'm sitting at home as a remote user, I may never need to touch the corporate network if a lot of my day-to-day uh, -day apps are in the cloud. So where's the enforcement mechanism for all these policies you've got if I'm at home? Yeah, so, you know, we think, we feel that the the edge has now moved right from just being the edge of kind of the walled garden of the campus environment mm -hmm. all the way out to potentially the home office right or the micro uh, office or wherever it might be and, and so we've really focused on uh, enabling that environment and maintaining that secure posture that policy based posture all the way out uh, with a product set that uh, we call the micro branch. Uh, and it literally is, you know, it looks like a couple of playing cards um, kind of size device uh, that can sit on a desktop or be connected, you know, on a wall box in, in a room and apply those policies all the way out, whether it be through a wire connection or a wireless connection. So uh, even if someone working permanently from home or in that model where they may be working a couple of days in a corporate office and three days at home or whatever it might be, they can move from one place to the other. And IT and IT security and all of the other governance compliance uh, aspects can be maintained in regardless of which environment they're in because the policy controls have been driven all the way down even into that home office environment. Mm. But also, you know, as we talked, we, we sort of joked in earlier about the five A's, anywhere, anyhow, any when, you know, um, this also means public cloud, you know, off-premise cloud could be off-premise yep. data centers. It could be, you know, uh, flexible branches, which is not only fixed branches, but pop-up locations that happen inside right. of other people, you know, whatever. This is the transition and the operational load of that is substantial. I want to, you know, looping back around to this operational focus, how do we manage all of that day to day with the same number of headcount when everything's just got more complicated, right? Right, yeah, because, you know, we are all cloud heavy at this point, right? We use a lot of services that are cloud uh, based rather than potentially, you know, uh, on-prem data center based, right? So um, we need to be able to make sure that we can, uh, effectively and securely pivot out to use those services, right, when possible. But that, that all starts with policy again, right? If we define policy that says, yes, you can go use, you know, Office 365, right, from your home directly, rather than having to tunnel all the way back to the corporate office and hit a, a firewall gateway um, mm. in order to go out and come back, right? That is going to create an efficiency right there at the home because we're able to, to define what traffic is going to particular services. Now, if there's other services that, um, you know, may not be certified by that business, right, those those traffic paths can be, you know, pushed through the swim lane, um, back upstream and process centrally and, you know, uh, proxy it out or whatever uh, to those providers or to those cloud services. So so you can just, get an just, advantage, right? I, just can't under, I mean, just getting into my mind, this idea of dynamic segmentation, this idea of, you know, dynamically identifying an endpoint and creating a, a segment, network segment, yet... Um, you know, 10, even five years ago, the only way we could do that was using VLANs or maybe in the campus, it was mm -hmm. MPLS, if you were very lucky. And suddenly lucky, today yeah. we've got, yeah. we're now suddenly today it's like, sure, you've got an underlay network and now you've got this dynamic overlay networks that are just assigned 
as needed, as and when. And that whole idea is just sometimes still boggles me how far we've come in five years. Now, not everybody's got that deployed yet, but they, right. they should be thinking about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like we said earlier, right, this is really where um, we've got to undo the handcuffs of the of the topology, right? That, that VLAN, right, or that MPLS tag, right, mm. forcing traffic to go a particular way versus the policies that define what happens to that traffic on its journey, right? And, and you know, when you start to define policy really close to the user, like, like we're talking about, um, you know, you don't get that issue of, you know, not kind of north-south traffic problems, right? Where you're inspecting traffic when you hit a particular, you know, che- uh, checkpoint, right? Like, um, you know, literally like a passport control where you go, oh yeah, that traffic's allowed to pass through, you know, it's already done its damage potentially then because it's moved through the network to that point. Whereas mm. if we're able to, you know, segment, micro segment this traffic, right, into these dynamic segments right there at its point of origin and push it through to its point of destination and do whatever we need to do with it on that journey, right, we're intrinsically securing that traffic flow from end to end, from edge to edge, right? Um, and so we, we, we are naturally building a security posture that allows us then to look at the abnormal aspects, right? Things that are out of compliance with the policies that we're defining, right? Where, where are traffic flows? Where are interesting aspects occurring in the telemetry of the network that we can quickly bubble up and make a decision on, right? And I think that's we really kind of that next frontier as we start to look at driving uh, networks through kind of the deep insights of, of, uh, of a data lake of telemetry versus, you know, historically where it's been, you know, red light bad, green light good, right? Mm. And yellow light, hey, I probably need to take a look at that because something's going wonky over there. Well, James, we've run out of time. There's probably a lot more to talk about, but this uh, does bring us to the end of this episode. If folks want to continue the conversation or find out more, where should they go? Uh, just visit arubanetworks.com. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. That's arubanetworks.com. Thank you, James, for joining us. And thanks to Aruba for being a sponsor. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts and our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.